values are not behaviors, ethics, performance. Values are the motivational preferences. What is the right thing to do? And I mean, the irony is we everybody's talking about evaluate things, but nobody's actually clarifying what the values are that we define them by and describe them. So a simple way to do this, so when I'm meeting with parents, one of the first things I do is, well, how do you want your kids to describe you non-physically? And the second question is, let's look at your day timer and your bank statement. I'm not interested in your dollar value. I'm interested in the percentages. Look at your bank statement and your day timer. Where do you spend your time and your money? Because that's your real values. You're listening to What's the Lesson, a podcast where we shift your WTF moments into WTL moments and learn together how to transform your life and relationships through social-emotional learning. We're your hosts, Jill and Mary, social-emotional learning experts and the co-founders of Girls Mentorship, a personal growth and development company for teen and tween girls. In each episode, we'll explore the five competencies of SEL, self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, relationship skills, and responsible decision-making and share practical tips, stories, and strategies for building these skills in ourselves and others. Whether you're a parent, educator, or just looking to improve your own social-emotional well-being, this podcast is for you. Join us as we navigate the exciting and sometimes challenging world of SEL and discover the power that emotional intelligence has to transform our lives and communities. Welcome back to the show, everyone. We are here with What's the Lesson, where we like to turn our WTF moments into WTL moments, because realistically, life is happening for us. Life is not happening to us, and we can derive a lesson out of anything that we come across in our day. What do you say about that, Jill? Ah, amen. You are taking me to church, honey. Yes, I am here for that. And if we can get more people on board with that perspective and that mindset shift, imagine, imagine like the relationships that can be strengthened. Imagine the communication that can happen. There's so much goodness um, that can come from that. If we can all look at our shortcomings as lessons versus like it totally ripping you apart that you are wrong or bad or anything else. Couldn't agree more, honey. Um, I'm so excited about our guest today. Came out of nowhere, literally came out of nowhere because, um, you know, people wind up in your inbox and I wish we would have been recording for the last 15 minutes because in getting, it has, in getting to know one another, we've exchanged some you know, facts, fun facts about who we are, where we're coming from. (laughs) And we see a lot of alignment here. We also don't have a lot of male perspective on the show. So it's fun to bring in guys to see and hear and learn from their experience. This one happens to have a daughter, which is even better. So I would love to introduce you to John Robertson, father, husband, founder of uh, Fort Log Services. He's an author, Run Towards the Roar, which I love because that reminds me of um, heading into the storm. Yep, the buffalo heading into the storm. 30 plus years of experience. And one of the things you have on your one pager is a cultural alignment specialist, and you like to develop leadership from the inside out. So those things stuck out to us because that is what we love to teach the girls and the families that we work with. So welcome to the show, John. How are you? Where are you coming in from? Hi, John. Hi. I want to welcome. Thank you for the welcome. And yeah, I was like you. I was thinking, oh, okay, this preamble conversation is actually enjoyable. So let's just get started. And <laughs> let's Nike do it. it. Let's just Nike it. Let's just do it. Let's so, do it. I'm actually in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. So north of the border. And... I actually have a whole bunch of other girls and females in my life. I was the eldest of two, well, the eldest of four, but two sisters. And what you and I were chatting about, Mary, the one personality that doesn't see hurdles, just lowers the head and go gets whatever needs to be done, done. 
and the other one who became a lawyer. And so, yeah, it's, and of course, being the eldest, wisest, most mature brother, I would always. The most I, handsome. You got to yeah, throw that oh, in, okay. right? Thank you. Okay. I wasn't going to, I was trying to be more humble. Okay. The most since loved. You the exactly. most loved. The favorite golden child. We know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, my two sisters would sit at the top of the stairs. We had a two-story house. Sit at the top of the stairs and say, John's coming home. Shh. Wait till dad hears. And that was their enjoyment because I was, well, I provided enjoyment, put it that way. I love it. So love did it. my brother. I so did Jill's brother. 100%. Absolutely. Yes, we can relate to the brothers for sure. Yep. One of the first things that you said while we were introducing one another was, I can prove you, I can prove to you that the devil exists. It's not mm-hmm. mean, it's evil how girls treat one another. Absolutely. So you know that very. Our daughter was, and actually our daughter and my sister were both on the receiving end of that. So was the cliche uh, times and places change. People seldom do. And, you know, they're 30 years apart, my sister at that age group and my daughter. And it was just some of the stuff. And of course, let's not forget what social media does at least and that, I don't want to minimize it, but at least previously, it was just gossip and other physical behaviors. Now it's with our daughter, it added the bonus and strong quotation marks of social media where I can share anything I want and there are zero repercussions. Right. Right. You pointed that out. You're not minimizing it. However, at my age, I got to go home on a Friday and maybe I had a friend sleepover or whatever, but I got to send her home on Saturday. Yeah. Or I got to send her home on Sunday. I got to disconnect. There wasn't this constant connection point of like getting to see what other people were saying about you or wondering if you were feeling left <laughs> out. Like you oh. actually got to unplug and it felt good to create space and distance between those friendships rather than having your own personal brand that had to be on all the time at 14 mm-hmm. years old and run PR on yourself. And it's, oh. it's definitely, um, as much as things have changed, they have stayed the same. I think that's just another similar yep. cliche to what you said, but holy cow, it has amplified tenfold. Well, and it, and it's rippling because our yeah. daughter, I, we've started into the grandparent phase. So two COVID grandchildren, but it, <laughs> one of the things that started is a mom's, I don't even know what they call it, but a parents and tots or group or whatever, social media. And some of the stuff that gets shared online, it's like, okay, folks, disconnect and actually think before you type stupid. Right. And, yeah. And, and I mean, while my child is not doing this and of course our daughter did it again, she, well, who tells you to go to bed? Because if all you're only thinking what the experts think, and we're not applying common sense. And this goes back to what you said. It's not so much the life events that happen to us, but the key theme is what are we for? Mm. Because we live in a culture right now that lets everybody know everywhere what they don't like, what they're against. In order to thrive, in order to be resilient, in order to keep our head in the game long term, we have to look at what are we for? What Mm -hmm. matters or what will matter? Yeah. And honestly, I don't think that we as a society talk enough about that. We are so quick to look at the wrong or the negative and like, let's cancel everyone. Like this whole cancel culture is a a whole epidemic within itself. It's wild. (laughs) And what we find in the work that we do is parents coming to us, you know, looking for support and helping their daughter to find who she is. Like what we just want her to realize, like what matters to her. Mm And we don't talk enough about it. No. We don't. And what you're putting your finger on is a great discussion because if you want to have fun with people, ask them. So just curious, what's the difference for you between discipline and punishment? Oh, I just listened to that in a sermon. Literally oh, did you? 30 minutes ago. <laughs> and Go, Mayor. Are you you answering it? Is that I I can, but punishment is like the um, you don't want to be embarrassed. Discipline is teaching. 
you're punishing somebody because you think somebody else's behavior reflects on you, at least in a parental role. Um, and then you're making somebody wrong for their behavior, whereas discipline is teaching them how you want them to be, or at least teaching them how to show up. You're bang on. I'm actually just like a desktop icon on your computer. I'm going to double click on it. One other layer. <laughs> yeah, okay, please do. Go. Open is, up that tab. <laughs> I, I, absolutely. Because punishment is I broke somebody's expectations rules. Discipline requires love. Mm. Mm. Yes. If I don't love something, and I, I, I'm not even going to compare humans and animals, but if I don't love my dog, I will not discipline, but I will punish when the dog does something. If I want a well-behaved dog, mm. then I have to discipline so that punishment becomes an irrelevant concept. And I what's like happening it. in parenting is a lot of parents don't know what they are for. So they're trying to find a shortcut, simple fix. Here's your two pills twice a day for the next 10 days mm -hmm. of how you produce this mature ad functioning adult, mm -hmm. but no discipline. Oh. Well, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but yeah, that's probably not gonna happen. Yeah, it's a recipe for disaster, or at least it's a recipe for repeating itself, which Absolutely. is obviously why we see these generations of generations mm -hmm. of generations of the same behavior. Absolutely. And so therefore, when I talk about a culture, I'm actually talking about who are the people, and it doesn't matter to me what sport you pick. So what's the group you want on the ice with you, on the soccer pitch with you, on the ball diamond with you, because you've got to have that culture of people around you who, even when we don't like one another, we love one another, we can discipline. I love that. I love how that all came together. I'm such a visual person. So you putting it in context of a dog and a, and a person, I know they're different, but I'm a mother. I have two, I have two boys and I have to, have to, and, it, and it's a practice for me. I'm not perfect by any means, but what I'm learning is the distinction between discipline and punishment, um, and I have to check myself because um, when my kids do something wrong and I react, I have to check in with, are they, is it because I have put an unrealistic expectation on them? Or where did I maybe miss the mark in teaching them to behave properly in a certain situation? So I'm in it right now. I'm my kids are seven and nine, and I, I I'm in it. But I see such opportunity for more people to to understand that distinction because people want their kids to literally be them. Well, and what you put your finger on that I will, and I'm not asking you to answer right now, because I, as much as I would enjoy throwing you under the bus, I won't, <laughs> is, Thanks, John. is that discussion focuses around values. Right. Values are not behaviors, ethics, performance. Values are the motivational preferences. What is the right thing to do? And I mean, the irony is we, everybody's talking about evaluate things, but nobody's actually clarifying what the values are that we define them by and describe them. So a simple way to do this. So when I'm meeting with parents, one of the first things that I do is, well, how do you want your kids to describe you non-physically? And the second question is, let's look at your day timer and your bank statement. I'm not interested in your dollar value. I'm interested in the percentages. Look at your bank statement and your day timer. Where do you spend your time and your money? Because that's your real values. Are you saying where your <laughs> money goes, your heart is? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And, wow. and, and what happens is my day timer, my calendar, I'm not getting into terminology, but my day timer and bank statement and how I want people to describe me non-physically don't align. So kids are caught in a tug of war between mom or dad saying one thing, doing another. Well, how to end up with a possessed behavior, create mixed messages. There's no better way to do that quickly than mix up the message. Mm. I mean, there's so much in that. That is, I know. I like is. how really though we get, we seriously, that is what we get from parents. Yep. Fix 
fix her she's broken for mm -hmm. lack there of a better term have we heard that exactly yes yes we have we haven't heard it a ton of times but there are different ways to say it mm -hmm. and every single time all we want to do is hold up a mirror okay and and because i'm so mature and wise and those other things that we were talking about right i often quote well let me show you the simple model that's being used here monkey see monkey do so let's talk about what monkey see because we're not going to have a conversation about monkey do well, and what Jill was referencing was personal responsibility, right? In the moment mm -hmm. when there's a reaction, she steps back and says, well, what's my piece in it? That obviously, I don't have to be super mature or seasoned to realize that personal responsibility is something that's hugely lacking. And I'm not sure if it's something that's always been hugely lacking or we're just at a precipice of people not wanting to take personal responsibility for their actions, their actions being, yes, the things that they do, but also their actions being their offspring. So okay, a lot of people don't understand that it, it is them. Agreed. The only clarification or whatever is we used to have a normalized standard behavior of what was acceptable. Right. Like if you caught me lying, it, yeah, that's probably not the best behavior, John. Today we allow people to re weave in their rationale behind the lie. Mm. It's well, their truth. I can, and, and well, that actually, that's a great expression. Well, it's just my truth. Yeah. Okay, so if we're going to have this discussion, if I feel you're an idiot and you don't, where does truth lie? Right, and, and yours. And, and the visual that I use for that is let's have a conversation about values, but let's use the value of football. So Mary, you're talking about European football. Jill, you're talking about Australian football. I'm talking about American football. And Billy Bob or Susie Q is talking about Canadian football. Mm. We're all talking about value of football, but we are not going to play very well together. Right. And what's happening is we have to start helping people to define, okay, what does success mean for you? Because you can be king or queen of the castle, but I can tell you what that makes everybody else. Mm. So what does success mean? If, if you want to finish at the top of the ladder, then don't expect to have people around you. On the other hand, if your definition of success is significance oriented, then define those values that will give you significance. Make a difference where you are so that that difference can grow mm -hmm. rather than what is it, trying to be all things to all people all the time. Right. So this is, I, I'm soaking this up for myself, obviously, as a, a parent, but I'm like, I feel like the work that I've been in over the last decade to help refine who I am as a leader, as a wife, as a mother, as a contributing member to society has helped me. This work is so important that I practice it daily, but for people who aren't in the practice often, I want to go back to the bank account and the percentage conversation. And if if parents are listening to this and they're like shocked, oh my gosh, I am all over the place from what I spend to what I value, how do they start again to get in, into alignment? First things first, start with what you want. Clarify, and I'm going to pick on North American football. I can use any number of things, but clarify what the end zone is. So therefore, how do you want people, especially kids and, and partner, spouse, family, friends, how do you want them to describe you non-physically? Because mm. at the end of the day, if I want people to describe me selfishly, then look at my daytimer and bank statement. That's mm. really easy to accomplish. Yeah. On the other hand, if I say I want to be known as a, a servant, a person who serves, Okay, John, grow a backbone. Let's look at your daytime and your bank statement and say, where is this serving thing happening? And the problem of values is all values are short-term costly for long-term benefit. All values. 
If I want you to respect me, you may not like me in the short term. And I'm going to illustrate this right now as a dad. So when our kids were young, we went through this. And by the way, if parents are listening right now, a simple way of starting this discussion is ask yourself, what's your definition of a great parent? And just write it out. What does that even mean? And then, of course, you got to every definition has to be defined. And so we when we started, we had core values, my wife and I and walking through and I share with my kids that I'm not your friend, I'm your father, I will not dress like you, I will not talk like you, I will not try and hang out with you to be one of you. But I will have your back, even if you're 100% in the wrong, I will have your back, and you can count on me. And for years, they didn't like me, but they knew that I loved them. Now what's happening is I'm now starting to play with their heads because now I'm pretending to talk like them. Like when I grew up, well, some would say I never grew up, but when I started out, when somebody said it was sick, that meant throwing up, vomit. Now. Now it's awesome, cool. And so now I'm playing with our kids' heads and saying things like, oh, that's really sick. That's Uh, hilarious. And and they do the, dad, that's wrong. Don't talk like that. That's funny. But you're at a point where you get to, they've earned it, you've earned it, you no longer have to, yes, you're always going to be dad, you're always going to be a parent, but you don't necessarily have to parent them anymore. They can kind of lead themselves and come back to you when they need advice or guidance on something that is. Or the other thing, and Mary, I'm I'm interrupting and mom's voice is going off in my head saying, don't interrupt. But the other thing that I would really (laughs) encourage you to remind people of, they need encouragement. Oh, so much, so much, and, so much. And most people think praise is encouragement. Praise is patting the person on the head, telling them what a wonderful boy, wonderful girl are you. Encouragement comes from the prefix en, which means to instill. Mm. To encourage means to instill courage. And so therefore, if they're not doing anything that takes courage, then we can't encourage them. It's not possible. So when parents and when when some of your listeners are listening, what are you doing right now that takes courage? Ooh. I mean, so we're starting first things first. You're putting a definition of what you think a good parent is. And now we're mm-hmm. asking ourselves, are you doing things that take courage? And that's a hard question because mm-hmm. who is? I mean, yep. everyone could sit here and show face and say, oh, I show up and I do things that take courage every single day. But what are those things? Well, and it, and it, it's that definition of doing the things that cost in the short term. Like how many of us use the, oh, I'm willing to help out. I'm willing to help out. But, well, I can't help out then. Can, can I help out at this? Well, you know, it's inconvenient yeah. to serve at this time. I mean, like I said, I worked at a gym for 15 years. Yeah. It's the... Um, short-term gratification versus long-term gratification. If you want the results, you can't eat a donut every day. You're not going to see the 15 pound gain for another, you know, 90 days, but it's going to be there. You love the way that it tastes every single day when you don't love the way that discipline tastes every single day, but you're going to see the benefits of that in three months. So I just, yeah. yeah. And, and to that comment, one of the tools that I found very helpful with people is from the Purdue social support scale, and it's available, people can Google it, but what it does is it walks through peers and what do we admire, respect, value about them. So it could be encouragement, it could be tangible support, it could be companionship, could be emotional support. And what it does is allows us to triage the people in our life. So for example, I learned that tool when I was going through whatever I'm supposed to call it, a season of discouragement, depression, sadness, whatever. I was bummed out, down. And and what happened was I did that scale and I went through the people in my life and out of a possible 60, six people at a scoring of 10, I got one a total of one out of possible 60 on the encouragement component. Well, you don't need to be a brain surgeon to say, if you don't have, if I don't have anybody encouraging me, really, 
what right. can you expect? Well, and are, was this um, just friends or peers or was it also family? Oh, yeah. E, all of the above. Got it. Okay. Wow. <laughs> D, all of the above. Got well, it. and again, we go back to the personal responsibility. You weren't just ho-humming like, oh, I'm depressed. I'm not going to do anything about it. You sought something out to maybe help you figure out or explain why. Yeah. So I want to take it back to the question. First things first. Um, <laughs> what what is a great parent right and i want to liken that to since you come from 30 years worth of business experience in corporate i'd imagine character substance and style right if your character doesn't match your substance that doesn't come off as a style you're going to come off as incongruent somebody's going to look at you and be like i don't like them and i don't know why right yeah. And that's the same thing for parenting. It's like, if your values don't match how you want to show up and how you want your kids to show up, people aren't going to like you. And those people are probably going to be your kids because like you said, they're seeing things in a way you're confusing them. I actually call that the hot water tea bag effect. If you oh. want to find out what's important to a person or an organization, put them in hot water. What's inside always leaks out. Mm. Ooh. So the first okay. time one of our kids had an MVC, a motor vehicle collision, he hit ice and bounced the car off the curb. And there's the moment. There's the defining moment. I can get bent out of shape that he smoked my new car. And it was new. <laughs> like it was. It like, always happens that way. You're like, oh, it's like, you know, really? The car that we've had for 19 years, you yeah. could have done, Here, done it to hit that this one. one. This one's good to hammer up. <laughs> And but that, those are the moments. And so in that hot water teabag moment, in that character defining moment, I have a choice. My car or yeah, you know what? This sucks, but we've learned something and it's fixable. Crap happens, life goes on. Right. I'm assuming you chose the latter. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Cause <laughs> I've done I've done honestly, I've done death notifications and some of the worst things to ever have to do to an, a parent, ever have to do to a parent. And, and it's like, you know what? Don't think you're in a place where tomorrow I will. Right. It, do it oh. today. Right. Oh, I literally just had, I did a quick five minute chat yesterday um, on something very similar. We're a part of a women's networking group and it was around personal reflection. And it's like, why wait? Like one of the, the key principles that I talked about was leaving a legacy and appreciating where you are now, regardless of, you know, whether you want to be somewhere else or you feel like you should be more successful. It's like, you, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. And why do we wake up? Why do we wake up as, as human beings when something shocking happens or a death happens or a challenge happens where then it makes us ask ourselves the question, who am I? And what, what am I, you know, what's the mark that I'm leaving on this world? So I love that you said that. And, and I have been, to, I also have been on the other side where his son got killed. It was a bus collision. And he sat and he was telling me, he said, you know, I've been proud of my son through his entire life. But I got to brag, you know, we got his phone, we got his laptop. There is absolutely nothing on either one that we're embarrassed by. Mm. I am so proud of my son. And here's a kid just going first year college, university. I don't remember which it was first year. And his dad is bragging to me about basically what they did not find on laptop and cell phone. Mm -hmm. God, that's so sad. And I mean, there's, what do you even say about that? Well, again, it what, goes what back, did you it goes, say about that? Yeah. Does it go back to like your expectation? Like, you know, it's, it, and, it, it's, it goes back to what we talked about at the very beginning of this podcast of, you know, like your kid living up to your expectation and it was that what mattered? And the other part of that that goes hand in glove, am I parenting so that my child lives up to their expectations and potential? Right. Because at the end of the day, my expectations will not matter in 50 years, hopefully, but shouldn't matter in 50 yeah. years. Right. Their potential 
is what I have a 21 year or whatever it is now, 21 year investment window so that in 22, they start reaping some dividends on that investment. Mm. That's such a beautiful way to put it, realistically. Yes, right. I love that. Well, and it's and the cost is the same. So a parent who views a child as an expense is still the same dollar value, but one is an investment and one is an expense. And that requires, and Mary, you use the term character. I actually illustrate this in two different spellings and I'm not an English major, so I can get away with it. <laughs> character, C-H-A-R-A-C-T-O-R versus A-C-T-E-R. Yeah, okay. A-C-T-O-R is an actor, what a person is on stage. Mm. A-C-T-E-R is what we are in the dark. And that's that dissonance between what people see and who we are. Tying it back to integrity. Absolutely. Now, I'm going to play with your head a little bit on that. For example, (laughs) (laughs) I've never met anybody who says, oh, I don't have any integrity. Okay. The issue is ethics and morality. So, for example, ethics. If I say... Well, I don't have a problem lying. You know, once in a while, you got to lie and it's just, you got to do what you got to do. Morality, if people see me lying, but I've said, I don't have a problem doing that. I can actually say I have integrity because I'm saying and doing the same thing, which is the root of integrity. Right. That's not what most of us think. Right. But, well, we take it for face value. I think it's yeah. very easy for people to take things at face value and say, I have this, I've done this. Yep. Give me the accolade. Give me the encouragement that uh-huh. I am desperately seeking um, rather than going a level deeper. Yep. And, and what you've just perfectly described is instead of trying to fix and think short term, aka expense, Imagine what would happen if we took time to ask a question and say, you know, what does it mean to be a good friend, a great friend? What does it mean to be a good parent, a great parent? What does it mean for you to honor what I would say is your God-wired potential? What does that mean for you? And then be quiet long enough to let them think about it because they're going to wait in the North American school model. They're going to wait to hear if I'm going to tell them what the right answer is Mm -hmm. versus, okay, since you haven't answered right away, I want to come back to that tomorrow or next week because I really want to know how I can encourage you, but I need to know what your definitions are so that I can help achieve that with you. Mm. With you. With With you. you. And, and Jill, like, because I've done this for more than once, I love the way your brain, face, eyes are looking because there's a part of your brain that's still percolating back on the question that I asked you mm-hmm. that's, okay, how would I answer that question? Mm-hmm. And, and the advantage of having that kind of thinking approach is it's never a one-off conversation. Right. It's ongoing. It's ongoing. I love that. Well, and I, again, I, I think about two certain groups of people, the girls that we serve, because the amount of times that they come to us and they're so, they're craving friendship, but they don't know how to make friends. And then when we really teach them the inner, the inner work of, well, how are you talking to yourself? Like, in order to be a good friend, you have to be a good friend to yourself. So it's interesting to like pose it as a question. And then same with parents. It's as opposed to feeding parents the answer. It's like, well, what do you want? And then how is your integrity or how are your actions, behaviors, and your attitudes aligned with that? And it's ongoing. And it's okay if we make mistakes, but get back to, get back to it. I had one of those moments. I worked with a police service and I had the two boys in the back seat and I got pulled over for speeding. First question out of their mouth, dad, are you going to show them your police ID? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, there's the defining moment. Yeah. 
and I said, well, no, did you? Oh. No, no, because <laughs> I was speeding. Right. I was in the wrong. Now, I got to tell you, there is another part to this story, and that is she, the officer came up to the window and license ID, ownership, et cetera. She took it and she said, John, what are you doing here? Oh, <laughs> she funny. let me off with a warning. That and my is wife great. sitting beside me says, you've got to be the luckiest <laughs> stiff I've ever seen. Honestly, I have a very similar story, sort oh, of. It only includes getting pulled over for speeding. I didn't work for the police service, but he pulled me over and I knew it right away. I was definitely speeding. If there's anything you need to know about me yeah. is I have a lead foot. Yeah. Living in Arizona has not helped that because everyone is going 30 miles an hour over the speed limit. It's ridiculous. But he pulled me over and, you know, I knew it was my fault, just like you said, personal responsibility. And he said, do you know why I pulled you over? Or no, what did he say? He said, hi. I said, hi. I rolled down my window. I said, hi, how are you? And he goes, I'm doing well. How are you? Not good, I assume. I was like, I'm doing okay. The day's been great so far. I own it. I know why you pulled me over. And he was like, huh, this is an odd response. You know, he takes my license. He takes my registration. He goes back to the car for however long. And he comes back and he goes, I'm going to let you off with a warning, which you're really lucky because you were speeding like, uh, like criminally. I probably could have taken you to jail. You were speeding. And I was like, well, hot diggity dang. Like, thank you so much. And I just, I attribute that to, we'll go to the surface level, my integrity. Because how many people are like, I wasn't speeding or I had no idea or my speedometer is broken. And it's like in those moments, I had no idea that he was not going to give me a ticket. I was very prepared for the large ticket that he was going to give me. And because of my response and how pleasant I was and how I didn't let that one minuscule 10 minute period of my day ruin my entire day, I think that helped. For sure. And let's be honest, tie that back to what we were just chatting about with friendships and relationships and parenting. How we respond or react creates a whole cascading effect right. Right. of I'm not upset because of what happened. I'm upset because you getting so upset because of what happened. <laughs> right. <laughs> totally. Gosh. Yeah. It's like I'm shaking my head because I lost it on my kid last week. And, you know, it had really nothing to do about like what we were fighting about. The event is never the real crisis. It's never. It was how I reacted. (laughs) So I'm laughing over here being like, dang it, John, you're right. You see right through me. (laughs) Well, and just because I was already bragging about humble and everything else. We were coming across the lake in our boat, the two boys, mom and I, and they asked me a question. And before I could answer, they started talking amongst themselves and ignoring me. And because I'm mature and all the other behaviors, I started to pout. And and so anyways, one of the boys asked me a question I didn't answer. And my wife does the, well, he gets like this. He'll be fine. But he gets a little pout on when he feelings get hurt and he feels ignored. We come across the lake. We get closer to where we're going to take the boat out and with the boat and uh, truck and trailer to load the boat. Our son leans forward and Chris does the, hey, dad, do you want to give me the truck and keys and I'll go get the trailer while you're busy sorting yourself out? And it was just (laughs) like all four of us busted out laughing in the boat is so i love too that just him calling it out can like i was hilarious i love that yeah while you're busy sorting yourself out oh my god you know it's good to hear that the experts are human as well you know i think that's such a moment of reflection for all of us to say we don't have to show up and be perfect and know better than you and always be right Mm -hmm. we get to be human in front of you too and that's the lesson well and and to your comment, Mary, one of the things that our, I've learned because of feedback from the kids is I have actually gained more respect because of when the things I've screwed up. Right. It, will, you, will you say that one more time just for anybody who actually, may have missed it? Yeah. I have actually gained more respect or credibility, whatever, but I've gained more respect by the, the screw ups. And, and how they get addressed. 
and you've shown your kids a lesson, a real life in the moment lesson for when they get to face the same thing, not when it, it's, it's, it's happening, it will happen mm -hmm. to them. And you've given them such a beautiful gift of how to overcome. Well, and another illustration of this is every parent, I think, should, if they don't, we have a problem, but we'll say that don't drink and drive, don't text and drive. So what happens at two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning when one of the kids calls to say, hey, we've had too much to drink. Can you come and pick us up? Mm -hmm. So there's two problems, two themes, not problems, two themes in that one question. Number one, would the kid call? Mm. The second one is, how does the parent react? And, you know, it's been tested in our home twice. And first time, I, the only question I asked when I got the call was, which vehicle do we drive? We had a Honda Pilot, which seats eight, or we had a Saturn, which seated four. Which vehicle do you want me to bring? Well, there's five of us, so bring the Pilot. Okay. The other lesson that I learned is never, ever, ever, ever ask teenagers who've been drinking to give them permission to talk. Mm-hmm. Their mm -hmm. silence, they're afraid that I'm going to blow a gasket and mm -hmm. the vehicle is just deathly silent. Right. <laughs> and it's like, Chris, why, why are they angry? Uh, why are they so quiet? Well, they're waiting for you to get angry. Why would I do that? I said, call me. Right. Don't ever do that with a vehicle full of drinking young people because when they talk, they still talk like they're talking over the music in the pub they just left. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh <And> my <laughs> you're like i wanted them to be quiet so so the next time it happened mm -hmm. i just drove home in silence i did not give them permission to talk that oh, is great so funny what a great parallel to you remind me a lot of my father-in-law my he passed away two years ago but that was his rule with his with his boys was mm -hmm. you call me you call me anytime, no questions asked. I will pick you up. And the deal is I will not say a word to you until the next morning. Mm -hmm. So call me. And he got called all the time. Yeah. And that was their deal. But I think that establishes trust. It establishes like, okay, I can really lean on yeah. my dad and my parents, like the, the people that love me the most, like that's who you yeah. want to show up for you. You don't want to get in that dang car when... You know, your friend says he's okay to drive home when he's been no. equally drinking as much as you. So I love that it's like it's it's being human with your kids. Well, and some of us get older and some of us grow up. I'm doing Ooh. one of those. I'm not quite on the growing up <laughs> side of things. But this is a complete brag alert about the monkey see, monkey do. Because two of our kids went to the same university. One of them called the other in the middle of the night because they were at a pub, too much to drink. And the one kid went to pick the other one up and never said a word. We actually heard about it years wow. later. Mm. And it's like, oh, good. They got it. They know, have each other's back, even when you want to choke them. Right. I don't always have to like you, but I always I will love you. Uh, and amen to that. Like, and that's how sad is it when we think that loving is always liking? No, it's uh, not. It's not. It's not at all. I think, I think in romantic relationships, that's the in love period. But when they find out the first hardship, that's, that's what love really is, is loving somebody when you really want to strangle them. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. And let's just, I mean, for one second, I know we're, we're coming up on time here, but let's parallel that with just being a leader, not even just a parent, right? Because that's what I'm seeing in this conversation is leadership skills. Mm -hmm. Obviously, that's all over your bio. You've done that for years and years and years for more than just your children. That is what we need more of in this world. I have worked for several different bosses over my time on this planet, and I have to be honest, it's I wouldn't want to go to a lot of them with a problem or a struggle I was mm -hmm. having because of their response That's and or their reaction. Mm -hmm. So it's like, how do we foster more of a relationship like that across the board? Because right. realistically, in our work, 
kids should be learning this in school. Mm-hmm. Kids should be learning this at home and kids should be seeing it modeled in our communities. Yeah. So if we can take this conversation and apply it to all these different areas of our life, we're guaranteed to raise the group average. So a simple way to, to have that discussion is change the word leadership to make it influence. What's your influence? Mm-hmm. What's your influence? And we all have it. I mm-hmm. heard a great joke and the guy's comment was some people you love to see and some people you love to see go. Yeah. But we all have influence. So what does it right. mean to be a leader? How intentional are we about the influence we have on others? Mm. I mean, if that's the one thing that uh, you walk away from this podcast, ask yourself, please write it down and, and put some thought into it because Absolutely. we do. All of us have influence. And I have loved, you've loved referencing sports. I'm a huge sports girl. Okay. Um, so many athletes get um, drafted into whatever their sport is, and they stand up there on that podium or behind that microphone after a game, and they tell us how much they don't want to be an influence. Yeah. That they, that's not what they signed up for, that they don't no. care who's watching them. And every time, <laughs> it just makes me want to chuck my remote at the yeah. television. Mm-hmm. Because whether they wanted it or not, that's what comes with being in a position like that. And the position is being human. Now it's just gotten elevated to where lots of eyeballs are on them. And they need to take that more seriously because so many people look up to how they act, who they are, what they're saying, and take it for truth. And what you just put your finger on for those listeners is what I would really encourage you to do is if you want to be intentional about your influence, if you want to be strategic on the kind of legacy that you leave, but more importantly, the kind of influence that you impact other people with, reach out to a Jill and a Mary and say, here's what I want to do. Here's when I walk away. Here's what I want people to think and feel about me. And you start giving me feedback because I want to grow that. Oh, and feedback. God, we can, we'll have you on for another episode. I was going to say, we're going to do a. We could continue to talk about that because that's a hard thing for people to ask for because they think you're tearing them down. But Mm -hmm. let's be honest. I mean, how many of us ever get feedback that's about discipline and love? versus punishment and well you know john you're ugly and your mom dresses you funny and okay thank you what do you want me to do about that oh my gosh i love i love that you're right it's a good distinguish it is well and i think even as a parent i mean my kids come home and they'll tell me you know what's happening on the playground and it's so that's such a good way to coach them sure is through it is do they actually love you why does their opinion matter and are they telling well, you that to make you better? Or are they telling you because they're a little jerk? Yeah, exactly. Well, and and uh, one of the things that parents can do really simple is don't go out to restaurant. That's a control issue because most people will not act up in a restaurant. Sit at a supper table and allow them to act up. And that's where those conversations happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our kids, because they knew that we weren't trying to be like them. There was some stuff that my wife and I actually had to say to them, guys, guys, stop. I can't unhear that. And I did not need to know that. (laughs) Well, dad, mom, that's our world. And you need to know the world. No, I don't. You know, it's like, that's disgusting. (laughs) But. But that happens at a supper table when the focus is the people not the meal. Right. Mm. I mean, let's eat everybody because that was a plate. That was that. That that is it. Mary (laughs) always can land the plane. John, seriously, your wisdom and presence and influence and impact is vast and so incredible. Thank you for gifting Mary and I and our listeners, your time and your wisdom and your words. I mean, truly, this was a incredible, incredible conversation. And we're so grateful to have you in our back pocket as a resource. And I'm so excited for parents to really lean into this conversation. Um, Absolutely. For them to start on themselves first before they then can 
um, take these conversations with their kiddos. And we'll put everything in our show notes. So where people can find you, let's order the book, awesome. run towards yes. the door, 100%. If you loved this conversation, I have a feeling that you're going to love the book as well, because I'm imagining that there is just layer after layer after layer of this conversation and more in there from your year's worth of expertise, wisdom, knowledge, application. Um, mm -hmm. So seriously, what Jill said, thank you so much. Is there any final words that you want to gift to our audience? Absolutely. Choose wisely if you're, and I'm going to switch from sports. Well, no, <laughs> not really. I'm going to go into rowing instead of a land-based. Yeah. Okay, okay. Okay. We're on the water. Choose wisely the people you put in your boat. We don't need people to point out where it leaks. We need people willing to sit beside us and row. Choose mm -hmm. wisely who you put in your boat. You heard it here first, folks. You better look around your boat and see who's rowing next to yeah. you because there's a lot of naysayers saying that it's leaking and not doing anything to help you get the water out of it. So until next time, you guys, we will see you on What's the Lesson? We say this every time, but wow, what a powerful episode. These conversations always leave us feeling so fired up and inspired. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in with us. If you felt as inspired by listening to this conversation as we did having it, we would be ecstatic if you'd advocate for us in one of the following ways. By sharing this episode with a friend or tagging us on your social media, by heading over to iTunes and leaving us a rating and an honest review, or by following us on social media. This community is full of movers and shakers. We've linked our Instagram account as well as our exclusive community on Geneva for girls and parents in the show notes. This is a place where we exchange ideas, pose questions, and provide support to each other. Until next time, you guys, remember, being able to shift our WTF moments and finding the lesson instead saves us time and mental energy. And this bomb-ass episode was sponsored by Girls Mentorship. <laughs>